0: Beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, a blessed fourth Sunday of the great fast to you all. Can you believe it? Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the great fast, because the Sunday after that is Palm Sunday. So we're moving right along. Last night at Vespers, we heard that great reading of David and Goliath, and it reminds me of to be encouraged when it seems like we're up against insurmountable odds. Because there was David against a mighty warrior who was a warrior from his youth, was Goliath. From his youth. He only knew how to fight. That was his life. And he came up against a shepherd who wasn't a pushover himself, as we heard, Because he would defend his sheep by grabbing the jaws of a bear or a lion, whatever was coming after them, and then kill it. But still we have this great vision of this giant and this heavy armor and mighty spear and shield and all of that. And this shepherd boy with a staff and a sling and a rock. And isn't it the way God always works? He shows his strength through the weakness. Through the simple boy, beat the great warrior of the Philistines. Through a simple child born of a virgin, just a little baby, he would come and take away our sins, destroy death, and rise and give us new life. When it seemed like all was lost and he laid in the tomb, not even that could destroy it, destroy him or our hope. So whenever you find yourselves against the insurmountable odds and you can't control it and you feel overwhelmed, remember, you have a God that's going to work through you through that weakness, through that weakness. Now, that's not the homily, but I just was so moved by it last night, I wanted to just share it with you this morning. We have just come down from the Mount Tabor, that's where we pick up at our gospel. Jesus was up there and had the great transfiguration. Peter, James, and John saw as much as the glory they could behold. Jesus himself didn't change. But the veil before their eyes was removed, and they could see his glory, the splendor of who he really was. And when they were done, Jesus told them, don't tell anybody of this until the Son of Man rises from the dead. Now, he was trying to encourage them that when that time comes, you don't need to flee. You don't need to panic. All is not lost. Remember David and Goliath. So he comes down the mountain, and he's met by a crowd, and he asks them, what's going on in, another, in Gospels' writings? What, what are you talking about? And the father comes up and says, I have a son who's possessed by a spirit, and I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. It often throws him to convulsions and water and fire. You think it would kill him. If there's anything you can do, please do it. If there's anything. Now imagine this. Think about this. These disciples that were there were the same ones that Jesus sent out on that great mission to go out to the cities and the highways and cure people and announce the kingdom of heaven. And they cured people of their illnesses and diseases, and they came back praising God and telling Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. What happened? What changed that they could no longer do that? Now the conspiracy guy within me, and this is a Michaelism, Father Michaelism here. I often wonder, did the father come up and talk to Judas Iscariot first? And Judas Iscariot said, Yeah, we can do it. You know, it's going to cost you this much. Remember, Judas was a thief, the disciples, the, the authors would say. Maybe there was an exchange for services. It's not in Scripture. The fathers don't even talk about it. It's just interesting. But it's not against anything we know about Judas Iscariot. Whatever it was, and most likely pride, they couldn't do it. And when the father asked him to do anything, Jesus says, How long must I be with you? How long must I endure you? Bring the boy here. When they bring the boy here, Jesus is looking around and people are flocking in. You know, when a small group gathers, a larger group starts to gather around it, especially when there's a flurry of activity. And he sees people coming, and he cures the boy. They all think he's dead. Again, another great catastrophe. He couldn't do anything. But he shows that David trumps Goliath, grabs him by the hand, and brings him up. So we have this notion of believing. I believe, Lord, help my lack of belief. Now the disciples, they go with Jesus, they go into the house and they ask Him, why couldn't we have cast out this demon? What was it? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Some translations will just have prayer, but most of them and the Fathers will talk about prayer and fasting, so the fasting goes with it. Prayer and fasting and believing. We were created with the Soma, with a body to worship God. We were created with the mind. And with that complete unit is how we live out our faith. Now, faith is a gift, but it has to be fostered. Belief has to be developed. But you can't just sit and wish that something's going to happen and not do anything. You can't say, I, want to, I wish I could win the lottery ticket, but never buy a lottery ticket. You can't say, I want to go in faith and never do anything that helps you grow in the faith. The good news is you and I don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to develop some new program. The fathers have been teaching us since the very beginning, including Christ himself, that what we need to do if we want to grow in our belief, if we want to grow stronger, is to do the things he told us to do. One of them was prayer, the other was fasting. Now, the reason this gospel is chosen today is because of this very fact, because we're in Lent, and we need to remind ourselves as we go into the fifth week of the great fast not to become discouraged, because the work we're doing, the prayer and fasting, is vital to our transformation. Fasting helps control ourselves, our passions, our impulses, but in reality, it's meant to reorientate ourselves to God. To put God first before our stomachs. To put our passions, our wants, our desires behind God's will for us. And prayer is the means by which we grow in that relationship with God. It's the means by which we spend time, which we form our mind and our heart with. Again, all meant to reorient ourselves back to God because we so easily get distracted. And it's in the doing, the very fact that we're doing the prayer, the very fact that we're doing the fasting, fosters a growth in our belief, in our faith, strengthens us. Because you can't sit in your barking lounger wishing you, had, you were just this holy person floating in the air or walking on the water or maybe only ankle deep and not do anything... To, toward that end. The greater our prayer and fasting, the greater we strive it in purity, we're not going to be perfect, but we strive for it. We begin to see the face of God in things. We begin to see the face of God in the scriptures we read. They seem to be More brilliant, the words. The liturgy seems to to shimmer with the face of Christ. That Taboric light seems to go out. Because we're slowly reorienting ourselves to see. And in that, our belief grows. Now, I have tried and looked and read about many things for the fathers. I cannot say I've read everything of the fathers that they've ever written. Many have not even been translated that I can read. But I will tell you from what I have read that there is no shortcut to our transformation. I've I've looked for that magic pill, that Byzantine pill. I've looked for that pill of holiness. I've looked for that shortcut that, well, I don't have to do as many prostrations during Lent. I could just feel I'm doing prostrations and that's enough. That makes me holy. No. No, I have to do something. I have to do. It's the proxies. It's the doing. And so we are reminded this Sunday that what we have learned from the Fathers has not changed. The truth and the value of it has not changed in all this time. This Sunday is the Sunday of St. John of Climacus. He wrote the Ladder of Divine Ascent. He's chosen for this particular reason as a man who lived a great asceticism. He's not really known for any miracles, but what he's known is for spiritual works that he did, that writing he did. The 30 steps declined the ladder towards deification. It's read in every monastery. It's supposed to be read in every monastery during Lent throughout the world. I and mean, in many homes it is. I myself can't seem to get past step six because I realize, man, I'm not anywhere close to step one yet. I've got to go back down and strive again. So every year I open it up with good intentions. By the time I get to six, I go, now what was one again? There's no easy way around it. But we've got to do it. But if we do it knowing what the outcome is, and that's theosis, our deification, our communion with God in its fullness. If that's the relationship you want, the one that you believe and press, that we profess in this liturgy, if that's what you want, then won't you do what it takes? If a lover sees his beloved and wants to have a relationship, isn't he or she going to do whatever it takes to have that relationship? Manage the time and somehow so I have more time to spend... An athlete, if an athlete wants to be great at a particular sport, isn't that athlete going to manage that time to do whatever it takes to excel? Sacrifice whatever it takes to sacrifice so that it can be moved, so he can move in the direction he would like to go? The same is in our spiritual life. That's what St. John of Comacus is trying to teach us. And next Sunday we'll hear about St. Mary of Egypt. And at the There's our Wednesday night when we have the canon of Andrew of Crete. We'll hear all about this. We'll spend over two hours hearing about it. We'll realize there's no shortcut, but i got to just march through it. And in the marching, in the doing, transformation takes place. But don't measure your own outcome. That's for God to do. You don't measure your own outcome. If Your spiritual father can do that. But not you. It's because we either go two directions. I'm a complete failure. Or man, I'm already walking on water and I've only made three prostrations. I'm amazing. So, if you're like the father saying, I believe, Lord, help my lack of belief. Then do something about it. Show the Lord that you're serious about wanting to believe more, have a stronger faith by setting about doing the things He's called us to do. And it starts as something as simple and as challenging as being consistent and faithful in our prayer and in our fasting. In these, we will grow in our belief. In these... We will grow in holiness. So we are coming to Holy Week. We're getting real close now. Our gospel even mentioned about Christ talking about His upcoming passion, another reason why the gospel was chosen. So we know the time is close. It's at hand. And Jesus is very intent on what He's doing, and we should be very intent as well, preparing ourselves for that great week and also for, the, um, for Pascha. So please, enter into the liturgical life the best you can. Pray the Scriptures, and uh, if you can't come, but immerse yourself in it. Immerse yourself in it.